0: We praise you this morning for your grace and your mercy that found us. We thank you that your blood that was shed for us is greater than any sin, any past. And whatever we bring in with us this morning, God, you are greater than any circumstance, anything that we call hopeless, you are greater this morning. And Father, we pray that you'd help us today to fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. God, we know that you see us today, and we pray that you'd help us to see you. We pray this in the powerful and great name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen, amen. Well, it is great to be with you this morning, my friends at Central Wesleyan Church. It's great to be back. For those of you who are new friends of mine this morning, my name is Melinda, and I served here as a worship pastor for a little over eight years, and I'm just honored. To be with you today so thank you thank you thank you for letting me come back one year ago today i was sharing with you from the gospel of john how the word of god became flesh and made his dwelling among us that was emmanuel god with us and we beheld his glory full of grace and truth and we talked about how it's possible to be home when we have Jesus. He can actually be our home because home resides in us. But what I didn't know at the time was just a year from then, today, my family and I would be called to Boston, Massachusetts where we would be planting a church. What a difference a year makes. A year ago, I introduced you to our very newly adopted son, Joseph. I introduced you onto this stage. And a year ago, this is what my boys look like, Tyler and Joseph, and this is what they look like today. And they give you greetings. You probably will hear one of them at least in the service today. I wish I could take each of you with me to share you with the area that God has called us to in Boston, Massachusetts where we again are hoping to officially launch a church in September of this year, 2019. But because that's difficult for us to do, I thought I would just give you a little snapshot, and I wanna let you know this is not anyone, no no video from here, you'll see quickly this is not a professional video, but I wanted to give you a little snapshot. Good morning, Central. It is so good to be with you this morning, and I just wanted to take a minute and kind of give you an insight into where we live. Many of you know that recently uh, that has called my family to Jamaica Plain in Boston. Jamaica Plain is one of the 20 neighborhoods of the city of greater Boston, Uh, where there are over five million people in the greater Boston area, and about 40,000 live in this particular neighborhood, in the neighborhood of Jamaica Plain, where we are right now. Currently, we live right down the street from where I'm standing, and I just wanted to give you a little picture of of our neighborhood. So I'm gonna walk, but I will be um, paying attention as I walk to cars as we um, cross over different areas. I'm so grateful for your prayers for us as we have moved to this area. As you may be aware, um, in the city of Boston, there are, this is only an area that's 4% Christian and we are continuing to uh, believe and pray that God would use us and many other churches like us to share the love and hope and life of Jesus. One of the things I love about JP is the culture. And so in many places you'll see artwork, uh, which I don't know if you can see very well, but on the buildings, just um, a, a place where art and uh, music culture is celebrated, which has been a beautiful thing for us to uh, enjoy while we're here. Um, my son Tyler is a part of art school here, an after-school art program, and we're really thankful for that. One of the things that we celebrate the most here is the multi-ethnic nature of our community and there are so uh, many beautiful different culture representations in this area and it's very much of our heartbeat that we are praying that the church that is launched here, we're, we're praying is launched in September of this next year, represents our community in that way. So would you pray with us that God would call the nations uh, that are already here to uh, come together, gather together to believe that the gospel could take root here in new ways um, and join what God has already begun uh, in this community and in all of Boston. City Church. And it is our prayer that Awakened City Church would exist to awaken all people to the life transforming love of Christ and that we would be able to participate in God's redemptive work in the world and we just want to stop and thank you Central for being an incredible partner with us. We thank you for your prayers and for the way you've given up your resources. We are so grateful for your partnership and if you're interested to know more about what God is doing in Boston, you can check us out at ReachBoston.org or at Awaken Boston on our Facebook page. We are still in the process of developing our church webpage and again, we hope to launch the church in September of this year. If you If you know anyone in the Boston area who's interested in helping us plant a church, Uh, we would love to talk with them and we are excited to to build a launch team and that's what we're busy doing right now, just developing relationships, but it's our honor to be with you again this morning and I wanna thank you again for your partnership. Well, I pray you had a wonderful and merry Christmas. Did you get all those gifts you hoped for? You know, as a parent of a young child, young children, I love to see the hope in their eyes as they're opening those gifts. Like my son Tyler was really hoping to get an iPhone, which he didn't get. But it was still fun watching him opening the gifts, right? (laughs) Hoping for it. That sounds really awful of me to say it that way. But there is something in that as we're hoping for that gift. What is that gift in your own story? Do you remember it well? That gift that you so wanted? I can remember mine. You know, I could hardly contain my excitement. The day had finally come where I was going to experience my Christmas gift live and in person. And in my ripe old age of four, I was so mature that I decided to give myself a nap that day because I didn't wanna miss a thing that was coming that night. When I woke up from my nap, we dressed in our finest, and we drove, my family and I, to downtown Chicago. And when we walked into the auditorium theater, I'll never forget the sound of the orchestra and the beauty of the architecture. And so I sat there as a young girl on the edge of my seat in anticipation, waiting for the musical to begin. I couldn't wait to see her. See, there was something in the storyline of this young orphan girl that captured my attention. There was a confident expectation that she possessed, even though she had a very sad story as she was longing for the love of a mother or father. I had finally seen her, and I was told, I've been told that at the end of the program, which was late by that point, I stood up in the auditorium theater downtown Chicago and in a loud voice I exclaimed, I made it! My little eyes stayed awake for the whole thing because I didn't wanna miss a moment. It was everything I hoped and prayed it would be. Hope, it's a powerful word. And I've been journeying with you over these past few weeks as you've seen hope in the biblical story, in the Christmas story about the hope that was born in a manger. And last week I joined with you online as we experienced together the beauty of painting in hope. I could feel hope through the screen. Hope in scripture is a confident expectation. It's a strong word. It means a strong and confident expectation, and that is what I believe Annie possessed in her eyes. She believed that there was, her tomorrow was gonna be better than her today. There was hope in her tomorrow. And she eventually did receive the loving gaze of a father that she so desired. It was a happy ending to the story. But for some of you this morning, this story kind of turns your stomach. Because you too, you hoped and prayed for a loving gaze from a mother or a father and you never got that. And you've heard stories even this Christmas of hope that was born in a manger or even this morning of of a God who loves you, who died for you, who, who rose and wants to give you life this morning. But you have never had anyone look at you that way. This morning, I believe that some of you, some of you today are going to have a face-to-face encounter with hope. And I believe there's a biblical character, a very famous biblical character that is really a lot like Annie. One that was kind of outcast until he experienced a face-to-face encounter with hope. Before we go there, I, I wanna give you a little background on this story in the scripture. You see, Jesus had just gathered his disciples together and he, had, he said to them, I have some good news for you. Actually, he didn't say that. He said, my friends, I, I need to tell you, we're gonna be going up to Jerusalem where I'm going to suffer and die as the prophecies have foretold and then I'm gonna rise again on the third day. Now, for us this morning, we can say, yes, it is finished, Jesus, you are greater than it all, but for them, they didn't know the end of the story. They didn't understand what he was talking about. But they went, and they followed Jesus on the way up to Jerusalem, on this very important mission he had to save the world. But on the way, on this very important mission, Jesus stops in Jericho and he looks up. Come with me now to Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse one. Luke Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse one. Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who were lost. Before we move forward, it's important to know that a chief tax collector was the head of all the tax collectors. He was like the district man in charge. And he was known to be very wealthy, but wealthy in a corrupt way, wealthy at the expense of others. And he would have been despised by the Jews, despised by the religious leaders. In fact, the worst of sinners, not even allowed to worship in the synagogue, This is who Zacchaeus was. And we really don't know why Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus that day. Maybe because he heard about this famous man and because he was famous himself and wealthy himself and a person of great power, he wanted to be around someone else who had great power. But the fact that this man of power and position would humble himself, climb up into a tree to not miss seeing this Jesus, makes me believe that there was another reason. Maybe Zacchaeus had heard the stories of Jesus and his love and his compassion, and the stories of when people saw Jesus' eyes, everything changed. How do we know this? We look at the scripture like in Matthew 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Or in Matthew 14, 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Maybe Zacchaeus heard the stories of the disciples, like Peter, who when Peter saw Jesus and Jesus looked into the eyes of Peter, everything changed. Look at John 1, 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are called Cephas, which when translated is Peter the Rock. He gave Peter a new name. There was something about this God, this Savior. Something about the way he saw people. And see, the reality is that the name? there is a name of God named El Roy, which means the God who sees me. And I believe Zacchaeus was looking for this God, the God who really saw him, not the person that he was currently, the person that everybody else knew, but who he was on the inside. In Luke 19.5, it's interesting to note that when Jesus stops in Jericho and takes the time to look up, he calls Zacchaeus by name. He doesn't say, hey, you chief tax collector, get down here and repent. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house today. You know what Zacchaeus means in Hebrew? Pure one. I don't believe that most people would have called Zacchaeus a pure one. But I believe that it was Jesus' way of reminding Zacchaeus who he really was, who he was made for. Zacchaeus, remember when your parents named you? Yes, I see you. I see what you have done. I see, I see how you have, what the choices you've made and where you are today. But Zacchaeus, you don't have to stay there. Zacchaeus, you are a pure one. You're made for more than this. Zacchaeus, today can be a day of salvation. Zacchaeus, I know who you really are. My child, just like we sang about a few moments ago, for years, like Zacchaeus, I used to believe the lies of who everybody else said I was, but I know now that I'm a child of God, and with credentials like that, we can do anything. Zacchaeus, come down. You're the pure one. You were made for more. Jesus looks with compassion in the eyes of Zacchaeus and he sees who he was created to be. He T. Wright says it this way, until Jesus came through town, the moment when the eyes of the two men met is worthy of an operatic aria. Inquisitiveness had got the better of the little rich man. An unspoken question emerging from behind his hard crafty look, Jesus saw straight through the layers of graft and greed, of callous contempt for his fellow citizens he had met enough tax collectors already to know exactly what life was like for them and how, even though they couldn't resist the chance to make more for themselves than they should, there was a sickness at the heart for which he had the remedy. In Luke nineteen five through seven, when Jesus invited himself to the tax collector's house, acting like he was his friend, the religious leaders started to murmur and mutter, what is this, what is he doing? He is a sinner, as if Zacchaeus' sins somehow excluded him from the grace of God. But that is not what the Word says. Come with me to Romans. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned, all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. And we are all justified freely by the grace to the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news this morning, friends? Isn't that good news? You see, I believe Zacchaeus in this moment looked back He was wealthy, he had everything the world had to offer, but he had empty, there was an emptiness in him. He certainly was lacking true community. And then he had this face-to-face encounter with hope, the hope that is found in the person of Jesus, and he he made a change. Because when you come face-to-face with hope, Repentance follows because what else can we do in the light of such grace but ask for forgiveness and be restored? We are all, we have all sinned and fallen short of the grace of God. I believe that Jesus looked up and saw Zach. His immediate response was to repent and amends for his wrongdoings. But the beauty, thing, the beautiful thing was Zacchaeus also could now look ahead at his future. His whole household would be different. His whole lineage, his whole family line would change. And I believe not only him, but also all of his friends, can't you just see it now? Him going back to the tax collectors, the ones for which he was in charge. And saying, friends, listen, I know, I know it's gonna cost you, especially financially, but there's more. God has made you for more. God has made you for more. You see, the world sees differently than Jesus sees. James Dobson says it this way. First of all, we know that hope changes everything because hope is a person. Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners, but Jesus saw people in need of a great physician. The world saw a blind beggar shouting above the crowd, but Jesus saw a man reaching out in faith and in need of mercy. The world sees a group of children annoying their master, but Jesus sees their innocent trust in a kingdom that belonged to such as these. The world saw a crooked tax gatherer named Zacchaeus, but Jesus saw a man ready to be broken with an act of repentance. The world saw the crowds pressing in on him from all sides. Jesus sees and senses the touch of his garment by a trembling woman. The world saw five loaves and two fish to feed so many. Jesus sees a great multitude hungry in need of compassion. The world sees an adulterer deserving of condemnation. Jesus sees a daughter in need of forgiveness. The world saw a robber crucified as a common thief. Jesus saw a lost soul worth dying for. And really my question for you this morning is this, who or what do people see when they look in our eyes? What or who do people see when they look in our eyes? Are we like the religious leaders and we, we have condemnation for, you, for them, get your act together and then, and then I'll be your friend? Or do they see hope in our eyes? Hope is not based on our circumstance and Even if you came in this morning with something heavy, I have good news for you today. Hope is a person. It is the person of Jesus, and no matter what is going on in our world, whether we're in the mountains or in the valleys, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and so we can always live as people with hope. We can always live as people with hope. Do people see hope in your eyes? Jesus came Luke 19.10, to seek, to search after, to look for those who were lost. I don't know about you, but I hate being lost. wasn't too long ago, after we moved to Boston, how many of you like to ride the subway? Not very many hands. (laughs) You need to try it out. There's not a lot of subways around Holland, I get that. But in Boston, it's something we do very often, and um, I needed to learn how to ride the subway. We call it the T in Boston. And right after I had moved there, I I I was on my way to a destination. I was on my way there. I was with some people that knew where they were going, and I wasn't really paying much attention to how we got there, what train we took, what line. There's different lines. But on the way back, I pretty quickly realized I didn't know how to get home. And so I began to stare at this map and for quite a little while, I just looked. I know I need to take this line, and I the green line and then the orange line, but I'm not sure exactly, just kind of standing there. Something about my posture must have grabbed the attention of the subway agent and I felt her kindly coming my way. She tapped me on the shoulder and said, dear, which people don't say in Boston very much, so I must have been <laughs> really, really desperate. She said, dear, can I help you find your way home? And I, I, I looked at her with fear in my eyes and she looked back with hope in her eyes that I would not be stuck in that subway station all day long and she helped me find my way home. See, she taught me something that day. She had a job to do when she went to work that morning. She was busy doing her job, but she looked up from her busy job and she saw me, someone who was lost, who needed to find their way home. I believe there are people all around us like that. And the train is a good example for us because, you know, the train just helps us to transport from one destination to another. The train, the subway, is never your final destination. And when we share the hope and life of Jesus through the hope in our own eyes, we're not calling people to ourselves. We are not the final destination. And my friends, we don't have to have it all together to share the hope and life of Jesus. I do not have it all together, amen? We don't have to just have to share the story and help people find the same hope that we had, that we have, that we possess. She looked up and she saw me. And if the world ever needed hope, I believe they need it now. The who of hope is Jesus, we've learned this season. But the how of hope is us. First Peter tells us we are a royal priesthood, a chosen people belonging to God, that we may declare the praises of him who brought us out of darkness into his glorious light. We are the plan, my friends, we're the plan. And what does it look like for us to be agents of hope in this world? What does it look like? You know, when I was a worship pastor here, one of the things that was difficult for me is I couldn't see the people in the back probably because my eyes are going. (laughs) But because I'm a relational person, I wanted to be able to see and look people in the eyes as I was sharing about the hope that I had found in Christ. Because it's one thing for me to shout at you and say, Jesus loves you. He has a plan and purpose for your life, but it's quite another thing for us to come out of our comfortable environments. Things that feel familiar, things that feel known, and to walk outside of our comfortable places to even run out of breath if we need to, to to stop. To stop and say, where are the people that need hope? Can I give hope today? Is there anybody in need of hope? And this morning, I just want to walk up and tell you this morning. Tell me your name again. Hi. good Good morning. Jesus loves you. I know you know that. Thank you. Yeah. And he has a hope and a future for you. I'm so excited to see what 2019 holds for you. Bless you. Bless you. It's different, isn't it, when we see people, and we see them with our eyes. And that's gonna require us, church, to get out of our comfortable places and go to the proximity spaces, the people that, where people actually are. A proximity space, a place or event where Christians and not yet Christians can interact meaningfully with each other. Around the world, Christians are developing cafes and art galleries, design studios, football teams to facilitate such proximity and interaction. If the church service is the only space where we can meaningfully interact with unbelievers, then we're in trouble, my friends. Where is it for you? In Jamaica Plain, or JP as we call it. For me, it might be the ice cream shop, which my son loves. It might be the CVS that's right in the corner or the restaurant on the corner, the school. And as we continue to frequent that place and we develop relationships with those people, we are able to share the hope and life with people because we're in proximity to those who do not know him. And you may believe falsely that in Holland everybody knows Jesus, but my friends, they don't. In fact, the only regret that I have from living here is that I did not get out more and share with my neighbors about the hope and life of Jesus. So where is it for you? At your school, at your workplace? Where is God calling you to be an agent of hope like that subway agent was for me that day? We've learned this series that hope is not a star we wish upon. It's a muscle we flex. And I believe it's time, church, for us to flex our muscles and get out there and be hope and life doesn't always mean that we have to speak our words. Sometimes it's just a smile or calling someone by name. So how do we live like this? How do we live with hope in our eyes? First of all, we have to look back and notice the strokes of hope in our own story. What are the strokes of hope in your story? Even from this past year, can you see? Can you see where Jesus has interacted your story in this past year? Even if it was a difficult year, if you had to say it this morning, would you be able to speak to what it was? For some of you this morning, when you look back, all you see is chaos and pain because you've never had a face-to-face encounter with hope. Well, my friends this morning, guess what? Jesus isn't just passing through Central Wesleyan today. He is here right now. And today can be your day of salvation. Today can be the day where everything changes for you. And it is my prayer that you would not leave this place without having a face-to-face encounter with hope. And if you don't know what that means, just go to one of my friends because I know them and I've seen their eyes, I know they have hope in them. Today, look back and in a few minutes, I'm gonna invite you to look back and think about this past year. Thank God for how you've encountered hope. Take a good look at God wonders, they'll take your breath away. He converted sea to dry land, travelers crossed the river on foot. Now isn't that cause for a song? This is a scripture we talked about last week. Praise be the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy, he has given us new birth. We've been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You have a living hope, not a dead hope, a living hope. Look back and remember, celebrate, thank God. Or maybe today, today is the day to come out of the tree and see Jesus. He sees you. Jesus also looked up. Excuse me just a second, we'll get there. look up and see the faces of people who need to know the hope we found. Look up. Who are they? What faces are coming to mind right now for you? Who in your family? Who in your work? Who in your neighborhood need to see hope in your eyes? In a moment as we Take a time to slow down and breathe and reflect. I want to encourage you to get a piece of paper out and start writing down those names and pray for them. How can you intentionally invite them over for coffee or you never know again what a smile might do. What are their names? Look up and notice them. When you go into Starbucks next time, actually look up to the person who's giving you your coffee. Call them by name. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, we strenuously contend with all energy that Christ so powerfully works in us. Look up. And then, my friends, I encourage you to look ahead like Zach Hewis was able to do, look ahead into 2019 and imagine with me, just for a moment, where are those places that you can intentionally visit that needs the hope and life of Jesus? What could be the dream for your family, the dream for your small group, the dream for your business, where you could be a carrier of hope just like Mary was in the Christmas story, You know, in Jamaica Plain, as God has asked us to move there and plant this church that we believe is launching in September, it is our dream and it is our hope that it'll be a church that has many nations represented and it is full of hope and life for, for people that have come and so this is the scripture that God has given me. My heart, oh God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing with you among the people, for great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the sky. Be exalted, oh God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. I don't know how God is gonna do it, but I believe it's a dream he gave us, and guess what? It's his dream and so we're gonna see it through. What is the dream that God is giving you? Look ahead. And if you do, if you live like this, when you wake up tomorrow, it won't be just going to work or getting the kids ready. It will be the fact that you who are carriers, who know the hope and life of Jesus, you get to be an agent of hope. That's a pretty incredible way to live. It's an incredible adventure. So my friends, as we slow down, right before 2019 comes in just a few days, let's just ask the 2018 train to come to a full stop and let's take a moment to breathe, to stop, and to look back, to look up, to look ahead.